Welcome everyone to the Social Work Stories podcast. I'm Mim Fox and I'm here with my co-host Liz Murphy. How are you Liz? I'm very well Mim and hello everyone. Hello. This is a really interesting episode today Liz. We're in a situation in Australia with aged care. It's almost an unprecedented time for aged care in this country I would say. A long time coming. Absolutely. So today's episode is really focusing on social work practice in the aged care sector and I do worry that some people may have tuned out already to this episode, Liz, because sometimes there is a bit of a um, discrimination amongst the social work profession yeah. about working in the aged care sector. I'm hoping today we can challenge some of that. I Well, yeah, I might have to pull out the milk crate because I definitely want to challenge it. And I think this particular social worker will challenge it simply by talking about the work that she's done in this space the creative, tailored approach in which she's engaged with the particular person that she talks about, but also the community development and connection work that she does as well in aged care facilities. That's right. So just to contextualise it a little bit, uh, right now in Australia we have what's called a Royal Commission happening into the aged care sector, and particularly around care in nursing homes and residential care. A Royal Commission in Australia is a federal government-led investigation and it means that there is recommendations that lead to policy directly that come from this sort of wide-scale investigation. We have a number of them happening in Australia at the moment and we really encourage all of our listeners to get online and do some Googling because actually there's some really interesting Royal Commissions happening right now. But this one in particular... It has actually been featured in an expose on ABC's Four Corners program. If anyone wants to have a look at that, it's a two-part series and actually really shows some of the really damaging and neglectful situations that can happen in the mm. nursing home sector. So for us, it's actually a, an issue that's quite close to home, yeah. close to our hearts and one that we've been really looking forward to discussing. For our social worker in this story... Uh, it's important to say that they are an American social worker who used to practice in the States and has now moved to Australia and is seeing the differences between social work practice in America in the aged care sector and then here in Australia. As well as that, also important to say that she does in this story name a client, but the client, that's not their real name. So the name has been changed to protect identity. You'll also see there's a shift. The first part of her story, she's actually having a conversation with our interviewer. And uh, so it's a conversational kind of tone. But our listeners will hear a bit of a shift because what happened was she was asked to write a story about, uh, based on her clients last year for um, a large uh, aged care sector service and it's that story that she's actually going to read for us today. I think it's a bit of a privilege actually that people get to hear that story. So I think also one thing just to say is that we're really thinking about the gr the greater setting of the aged care sector today in this episode. As opposed to some of the skills-based stories that we've heard previously. Like yeah, me. that's exactly right. So rather than looking for those micro skills in the social worker, we're actually looking at how her practice is able to work and engage with the socio-political issues that come up in the aged care sector itself. Yes. Yeah. I know it's a big preamble, Liz, but it's a pretty big issue. And look, and we'll be 
teasing it out a little bit more when we come back, don't you think? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. See you on the other side, everyone. So it's actually a story from the States and what you and I had spoken um, above, uh, uh, sorry, about um, that um, my work in the U.S. Um, included outside of hospitals and residential age care was developing programs in communities to help older people stay independent. Um, prior to moving to Australia those few years ago, I was working as a social worker developing a program in a uh, retirement community to attend to the needs of older adults who lived in IOUs and um, and were needing emotional support. And so my role was really focused on developing a program that consisted of emotional support. I saw people one-on-one -on -one in their homes or they came to me in my office. I helped advise and consult on dementia issues, bereavement, um, a whole host of things to include having goals in life as you age to be less socially isolated in their lives of what they could do and to create a sense of still um, having a, a lovely life. So I got to partake in that for several years and that was pretty special. The whole role was really about decreasing social isolation um, and increasing well-being. So pretty, pretty good job for a social worker who loves aged care. And I look back to that role with, with great fondness. I think that, um, uh, I think one of the stories that I'm bringing today is I'd love for Australian social workers, and, and I know that there are some facilities, some residential aged care in Australia that do offer social work, um, but I would like to talk about that role in, in, um, uh, in context of a story that that has to do with dementia, because I also worked very closely with people who were sort of on the edge between almost needing residential aged care, but refusing to go and staying in their independent living units. And it was a wonderful balance between working very closely with the medical clinic and the resident, and finding ways that we could um, almost do a dance together of respecting and creating as much independence as possible with also attempting to insert as much safety and decrease of social isolation so that that made that older person successful in staying home as long as they could. This is a case study demonstrating the importance of emotional well-being and resilience in aging and in the context as well of the themes for me are um, having a diagnosis of dementia, um, bereavement, and a sense of loss of self and the fear that comes attached with that because of these issues. So Edith was in her early 80s. Her husband Don had died several years earlier and she maintained her life within the retirement community by volunteering. She was also an avid walker and swimmer and had a handful of friends she enjoyed connecting with regularly. 
Edith had been a nurse all her life and had many adventures with her husband and family through the years. She loved to travel and had had the privilege of visiting several countries around the world. Edith had a very committed local daughter who took her out several times during the week. This daughter brought her mother to the grocery store and took her on errands to include the hair salon every Friday. This is something she'd done all her life and that gave Edith a sense of pride in being able to continue her visits to the hairdresser. Edith had another daughter who called her often even though she lived a distance away. When she would visit, she took her mother for outings or a long weekend, and sometimes this was just going to a local restaurant in the area, but it made Edith happy. I'd known Edith for a couple of years prior to her diagnoses of onset, early onset dementia. She was a very independent person who exemplified independence within the larger community. She was head of the garden club and often brought flowers into the assisted living area for residents who were immobile and couldn't get outside very often. They appreciated her efforts to remember them, and this gave her pleasure. Edith enjoyed her volunteer activities and always had a new vase of flowers every week sitting on the ledge just outside her door for others to enjoy. She would typically look out for other residents during community meetings who needed assistance in finding a place to sit. After all, she'd been a nurse for much of her life, and outside of raising her children, she found satisfaction and purpose, I might add, in helping other people. When Edith began to get confused and lose her way while walking outside in the retirement community, a significant change began to happen to her. She suddenly felt insecure and decided she was no longer able to take walks by herself. This affected her greatly as she loved her walks and her independence. She tried to continue her swimming but had to rely on someone to help her find her way down to the pool and she hated depending on another person for this. Not because she wasn't social, she just didn't want to be a burden. Edith began to isolate herself. She no longer was seen in the dining room socially, preferring instead to take her meals back to her apartment where she ate alone. Whereas she might have done this on occasion before, she now did this daily as she was embarrassed that someone would notice that she couldn't recall their name or an event during a conversation. She was an ad, had been an avid reader and was also known to help out in the community library several times a week. She'd done this for many years but discontinued this activity as well when she found herself no longer able to know how to refile the books on the shelves. As the retirement community's social, work, social worker slash I was called a care coordinator, I was asked by our on-site medical team to meet with Edith. She had been at the clinic and they had identified that she was dealing with depression. Her diagnosis of dementia had left her feeling very unsettled and dependent on others for getting around. She felt most secure in her own home and surroundings and no longer wanted to risk getting lost or confused as to her whereabouts. This resulted in much less of a social life and reinforced for her the need to remain isolated, even in front of her friends. She began to decline their invitations for visits as well. As we initially began to meet, Edith and I, she allowed the conversation to include 
what had given her life purpose and meaning as she got older. One of those primary things had been to spend time with her grandchildren when they were young. While they were older now and didn't need her as much, she still had a good relationship with them, but it wasn't quite the same as being around what she called the younger ones. Given this fact, our team asked Edith if she would consider volunteering in our on-site community daycare to read and interact with children there. At first she was hesitant to be involved and afraid that she wouldn't remember the words to read, but she finally decided to give it a try. One of the daycare teachers would come up to Edith's apartment a couple times a week and walk down to the site with her. This was initially a difficult adjustment for Edith, but she soon got used to it as the daycare teacher was so engaging and fun to be with herself. My last recollection of Edith was seeing her holding up a book in the retirement community daycare center with several children, young children, sitting around her. She was showing the pictures in the book while reading, and there was a smile on her face. In fact, it was more of a glow. And even though she hadn't wanted to walk any longer in the community, there was a walking buddy that would show up regularly to accompany Edith so that she could be out in nature and in the fresh air. And on her next visit to the medical clinic, Edith was found to have less depression despite her dementia diagnosis, while she continued to have feelings of insecurity about getting around by herself she knew she had occasions to socialize and do something meaningful with her life beyond the four walls of her apartment. I think for me, the idea of um, continuing to find meaning in life and a sense of purpose, even if you have, you know, particularly for someone with early onset dementia, when one is still aware that you're missing things and that you're not who you were and that you're feeling that you'd not, you're not even, there's such a sense of insecurity because you don't really know what it is you're missing. The idea that someone could still be a feel of value and have less depression and less anxiety to me is a very important role as a social worker um, in, in potentially in residential aged care settings here in Australia. And, um, you know, as I uh, continue my career here and potentially look at retirement down the road for myself, I think the uh, something that I would love to contribute to is identifying that's, that importance of the role of social work in residential aged care because I think that given some of the issues that we're conscious of in Australia at the moment, some of the deficits we've recognized with the Royal Commission, that there is um, a, a significant value to considering having social work in residential aged care to enhance and create more of a sense of well-being for older adults as they age. feeling a little like why why is it not happening in Australia why isn't this form of social work happening in aged care in Australia 
I know it's it's actually um, such a heartening story, but when we think about the context we're coming from, it actually leaves me feeling a little heavy, actually. And I wanted to, I wanted to talk about how much I loved working in aged care, but my my particular experience five, the first five years of my career was so different to this. I feel a bit sheepish. I mean, it was working out in the community and it was working with older people who are ageing in place. However, this particular story has taken it up to an, a whole other level in terms of what can actually be happening in social work practice in aged care facilities. Yeah. We, you know, the Australian context, I know of a few social workers working in a space like what this social worker described. Do you? An ILU, just for our international audience, means an independent living unit. And there are a couple that I know of in Sydney where the social worker is attached to a nursing home or residential care setting. But this idea of working with people at that very beginning transition stage into dementia, that I've not heard so much about. What I do know a lot more about is social workers working in aged care wards in hospitals, working in um, aged care assessment teams in the community. That's when the crisis is happening and people need more help at home, right? Um, Older age mental health teams. I but do know quite a specific form of, of social work practice, right? Well, that is very much more focused on the mental health as opposed to the aged care yes. issues. So this is actually a very specific role that we don't see a lot of. No, and you know it felt like a hybrid between a diversional therapist, community development worker and caseworker. Yeah, it really did. It actually felt like we'd taken from a few different sorts of disciplines that we know very well and kind of created, like you said, a hybrid And dipping into the community, connecting, a lot lot of connecting work and getting to know the people within that community. Yeah. And then being able to look at the individual needs. I liked that, swimming in between the different practice forms. Yeah, I did as well. It's interesting, Liz, that you say those first five years of practice for you were not, don't leave you with as warm a glow in your heart as this story does. I also have a bit of a confessional story from my early years in social work practice. Remember, I was a young social worker let's let's put that caveat out there but I remember I was working in a hospital ward at the time and I remember going to see a fa- uh, an elderly woman and her daughter and my referral was specifically to discuss nursing home placement with this woman now to be honest with you I don't remember a lot of what happened in that room except that the woman and her daughter got really angry with me And I left and documented that they didn't want to talk about nursing home placement. That's all I really remembered. About six months later, I was speaking with one of my social work colleagues and they said to me, "Um, I've got this family on my ward. And I said, oh, I think I remember them. And this person said to me, oh, yeah, Mim, that's because they specifically have said that they don't want to see you as their (laughs) social worker. And I said oh my gosh, why is that? And they said, because apparently you tried to force them into a nursing home. Now, when I reflect on that, that's one of my shameful memories of social work practice. But when I reflect on it now, clearly I was going in there with the mandate of what my referral was, talk to them about nursing homes. And what I had neglected to do 
was to actually speak with the woman from a place of dignity and a place of thinking about nursing homes as a last resort as opposed to coming where she was at, right? Right. And when you think about this story that we've just heard from the social worker, I love that idea that dignity is actually the turning point for people that can build their confidence and keep them at home longer. Yes, yeah. And she articulates that really well, doesn't she? When she talks about, does she call it the transition space? She does. She she actually says, yeah, turning point possibly. Yeah, where it actually shifts, doesn't it? Yes. Um, and And I think that's why Edith's story was so poignant because it illustrates that turning point where there's an awareness, there's an early dementia that's manifesting. Yes. Edith's become aware of this and the changing with that's going on within herself that sense of losing control over old Edith oh that's just such an awful feeling that it evokes an awful awful feeling and, and of course she's going to be depressed right oh hands and down. so this is what this is what really worries me about some practice that's going on and I'm not even talking about social work practice but I'm talking about the way in which we treat our older members of of the community yeah they get depressed for all of the obvious reasons Edith's pointing in Edith's story highlights is we will medicate yeah but what if we actually took this approach again another strength-based social worker who's actually looking at what were her interests what were the things that she did to engage her in the community and she built on that. But don't you think in there's actually something bigger here about the emphasis we have in Western society, which is about isolating what we fear? And it's terrifying the idea that we become old and lose control, so we isolate these people as opposed to learning from uh, Indigenous communities, from remote communities, uh, nomadic communities, where actually people are brought are kept within and kept close within the fold so that the generations can actually continue to spend time with each other and continue to be nourished by each other. And this story really showed that, that when Edith was able to have that avenue back into the childcare centre, she was reading with the young children, it nourished her and continued her on in her, in her dignity and self-worth. That is huge what you've just said. Because the uh, the thing that's also come to mind that really worries me, Mim, is the amount of money now that we're throwing at these aged care facilities. Yeah. So they look like resorts. <laughs> yes. People are having to sell their family home in order to live in them. That's right. And they're like these gilded cages. What would it have been like or what would it be like if they actually invested some money? Some of these companies invested money in people like this social worker that actually connected yeah. the, 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 the community of older people that are living in these places. It's actually really just, I think, such a devastating view on us as a society that we can't actually see beyond our fears and place our resources and our money into encouraging this dignity and self-worth to the very end. So stringing that out a bit further to social work students. Yes, let's talk about social work students. could some of this be occurring for 
socioeconomic students. So this is a pet beef of mine, Liz, because too many times do I have socioeconomic students saying they'll go on any placement at all. The opportunities, they're open to all opportunities. And when you really drill down, what are the two areas they don't want to do placement in? Can I guess? Can I guess? Please. I'm going to say aged care and Got it. disability services. Got it. Right. Got it. Got it in one. Like, and it just astounds me because this is the groundwork of social work practice. The skills that you can hone and really create expertise in there will take you into any field, any other area you want to go. And I'm really not sure what the difference is in many ways. Obviously, there's nuance. But there's such similarities happening between elder abuse and domestic violence. I'm sorry. So why is, why is domestic violence sexy? for the social work student and elder abuse is not? No, look, I think it's that, it's the stuff that you were saying before about we push it aside. We yeah. don't really want to look at that that part of the life. Maybe there's a whole lot of death fear going on. I don't know. But I think there is, absolutely. Mm. Death and also incapacity. Mm. I think that somebody who's not fully functioning can sometimes be scary for people, but I do think a large part of building your social work identity, realising yourself as a professional, is actually about where do your skills sit separate to the vulnerabilities that you are looking at from the outside? How can you actually get over that and understand the person within within themselves and find your social work skills being your pathway to engage them in their vulnerability and in whatever is coming next for them in realising dignity and self-worth? That is beautiful. Thank you so much. Mim, I've just got an idea now for your students. Lay it on me. Well, that they, one, listen to what you just said. (laughs) But maybe the area that they least want to work in, they They take a risk and they go there for their placement. So I have actually said that to whole classes of social work students. I have actually said to them, and now based on this discussion, you're all going on to aged care placements. And they have just looked at me like stunned deers in headlights. And I've had to admit that I was joking, which always pains me slightly. <laughs> but look, I mean, my, my hope of all hopes is that the Royal Commission will not only mm. highlight the sad state of aged care in Australia, but we'll also look at what else is going on around the world that we should, in fact, be investing energy into and this might open up a whole area of social work that as of today doesn't really exist. Talking about areas that doesn't really exist yet Liz and I'm speaking now for our Australian colleagues and social work students who are listening the National Disability Insurance Scheme the NDIS has brought with it a whole range of social work practice. I'm hoping in another episode we can talk a bit more directly about that. Great idea. Because I think there's linkages there and I I do worry that when we talk about the next generation of social workers, we talk a lot about digital technology skills they're going to need. We talk a lot about remote skills they might need to utilise. But these are the key areas, I think, when we think about what are the challenges coming, these are the key areas. How do we, in our profession, respond to the aged care sector and the disability sector going forward? Maybe we might get some interesting emails. I'm hoping. Comments, 
Yeah, yeah. Especially from some of our American listeners. Oh, I'd, I'd love to know. Like I'd love to know from our American listeners whether what this social worker has talked about is reflective of the situation there and whether if they have similar concerns about their sector to what we have because we know that ageing and the um, increased popula- aged populations within the countries, we know that that's not Australia alone. That's a global phenomenon because people are living longer mm. than they used to. So they can sidle up beside us and share that because it's how we learn, right? We just want to cross-fertilise and learn about ways to grow our A hundred percent. I also just want to say as well, UK listeners, other listeners around the world, don't think we're not speaking to you. Oh, and the Dutch ones too. Oh, yeah, I saw yeah. something interesting about oh, the Netherlands. aged care facilities, having uni students come and live there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's some really interesting um, innovations that are happening with services in different places around the world. So let's learn from each other in this space and get in touch with us and send us all those stories. And also, if you have a story that you would like to share with us about that, let us know if you're from another country to Australia. Let us know and we'll organise a recording of your story so we can also speak to that. That would be great. You know, I feel sorry for the listeners because we're going to leave them behind. But I think you and I should pour a glass of red wine and talk about this more in more detail. I, I'm, 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 you've just opened up my mind to a lot of other things. I know. I'd love an entire evening of actually discussing over red wine, of course, some of the issues we've really raised. It's bigger. It's bigger than social work practice. Social work practice is a component of what fits into this greater landscape, isn't it? Yeah, so let's quickly say goodbye and then we'll talk more. It is time to say goodbye, but you wanted to mention... Yeah, before we say goodbye, I just want to tell everyone about something I'm pretty excited about. So in October, uh, in, in Australia, in Perth, is happening the next ANSWA Symposium, Australia, New Zealand Social Work Education Research Symposium, and um, Social Work Education and Research. And I, I think, I'm not sure, some of our, you know, really devoted listeners might remember that actually we launched our podcast last year. It's an anniversary. It is our anniversary in October. So we launched it in Adelaide last year at the Answer Symposium. And this year we're coming back in Perth and we're going to be running the diary room again in the symposium and doing some beautiful podcast recordings there. So if there are any social workers in Perth in October who are wanting to share their stories with us, uh, our producer Ben Joseph and I will be down there and we'll be happy to get in touch and do a recording. But also anybody who's coming along to the symposium, make sure you come and say hello. We'll be pretty visible there in the diary room. So... Make sure that you, um, yeah, come and touch base with us. It'll be great. And maybe we'll remind them again a little bit closer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So time to say goodbye. Time to say goodbye. But not without saying a big thank you to, well, I'm a bit nervous about who I say is our best producer now. Is it Ben Joseph? Hmm. Is it Justin Stesh? I think we'll let them work that one out. Let them stoush it? Yeah, let's see what happens next. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, listeners. Thanks, Liz. Bye, Mim. See ya. Hi, listeners. This is Justin, one of the producers here at the Social Work Stories podcast. Now, it's come to my attention that there's been a little bit of contention over which of the producers, Ben or myself, is the uh, is the better producer here. Um, also, probably the better looking producer and um, the more cool one. 
So I just want to put it on the record here that it's definitely Ben, uh, but I've got to have points for trying at least. Now, I wanted to talk to you today for a moment about connecting with us outside of just listening to the podcast. We've got some great social media stuff happening right now. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SOWK Stories Pod, uh, you can also email us at socialworkstoriespodcast at gmail.com. And we would really love to hear from you and have you connect with us in those areas. It's so encouraging for us and exciting to hear stories of the way people interact with our work and to uh, just hear what you're enjoying, what you're thinking about as you listen to the podcast and how we are able to connect with you. So if you can connect with us in any of those places, we would absolutely love it. Um, Get online, pull your phone out right now and uh, look up those social media handles and we would love to hear from you very soon. Thank you.